The reading this morning is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. John 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes, so that it may be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Good morning, church. I'm just waiting for my screen here to to get on. There it is. Good morning. It's there. Uh, Welcome to uh, the worship service this morning. Um, We are currently on a sermon series uh, called What We Believe About the Christian Life. And if you can remember, two weeks ago, we learned a very important reality in the Christian life, that God expects all of us to grow to maturity. From spiritual infancy to uh, childhood to adulthood to becoming spiritual parents, mature Christians who make mature disciples who make disciples, we are expected to continually grow. There's no stopping in the Christian growth. Okay, we don't say, well, I've attained it or I've arrived, I'm there. There's no such thing. That happens when when, when we're in heaven. But the idea is that. God's vision for each and every one of us is for us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to be like Jesus. That is the the whole purpose of our discipleship, is Christ-likeness. Now, the idea is, um, last week we figured this out, that God wants us to grow for a particular reason. God wants us to be like Jesus for a reason. And the reason we looked at, as we looked at last week, is, is because God wants us to bear fruit. Do you guys remember that from last week? He wants us to bear fruit. Fruitfulness is important to God. And um, as such, God wants us to bear the fruit of Christian character. He wants us to become like Jesus in our head in our heart and in our hands. Christian character in our head and heart, as we know about Jesus, know about God, and as we develop that love for God. And when we do that, when that happens, when God matures us in our character and in our, and in our conduct with our hands, we are able to now, uh, God is now able to use us to participate in the mission of Jesus. And remember what Jesus did when he was on earth. He was ultimately here on earth to restore people back in a saving relationship with God. That was his purpose. 
And when we grow in Christ, we are able to then, at that point, produce the ultimate fruit for God, which is converts, other disciples for Jesus. I know it's tough for us to go from here to here, but that is, sometimes it's tough, but that is what God's vision for our life here on earth is. There's no, there's, there, there's no go, there's no working around that. Okay. Now, this morning, the next logical question for us to ask is this. How do we effectively bear fruit for Jesus? Because we've connected things already, right? We have connected, uh, in the Christian life, there are so many things that are interconnected. Faith, salvation, sanctification, becoming like Jesus, maturing, growing in our, in our, in our, in our faith, and then bearing fruit. So how is, how, how do we effectively bear fruit for God? What is the key? Well, this morning, through our scripture reading this morning in John 15, we are going to talk about what Jesus says is the key to bearing fruit. And that key is, if I can just turn it on, there we go, is abiding in Christ. How is abiding in Christ the key to bearing fruit? Well, Jesus says so in our scripture reading this morning. This is part of our scripture reading this morning that was read to us by Sean. John 15, 4-5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you look at that passage on, on the screen, it just jumps out at you. The key to bearing fruit, according to Jesus, in this passage in front of you, is to remain in Him. is to abide in Him. Because He says, whoever abides in me and I in Him, he it is that bears much fruit. When we are with Christ, when we abide in Him, He promises fruit. And He also guarantees that without Him, we cannot do anything, that we will actually wither and die without Him. So this morning, I would like us to look into this and go deep. Because deep inside the passage in front of you is not just, you know, it's not just us saying, well, you know, if we want to bear fruit for Christ, we need to abide. That's true. But if we go deeper, Jesus is really telling us about the allegory or the extended metaphor of the vine and the branches because he wants to tell us the relationship that he has with us. So the vine and the branches is about Jesus' relationship with the church. And when we understand what the vine does and what the branches do, we will understand what it is to abide in Jesus. So this morning, we are going to, as we look at abiding in Christ, we are going to look at what the branch does, or what the vine does, God's part, and then we are going to look at what the branches do, our part. Because this is the, 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 the foundational essence of what Jesus is trying to tell us in this metaphor of the vine and the branches. So God's part. In John 15 verse 1, we are told by Jesus himself that he is the true vine. So here in this verse, God's part has like a double 
part in it. I don't know if I can say that that way. Okay, God's part is two-pronged, so to speak. First, God the Son is the vine, and God the Father is the vine dresser. So let's look at the fact that Jesus is the true vine. So it's interesting because I'm preaching something that is an actual illustration. And I love illustrations when I teach and when I preach. Jesus is the same, apparently. He's using, he's using an illustration to illustrate his relationship with the church. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let him speak. What I've done here is... I've actually brought a branch. You guys see that? What does the vine do? What does the vine do? Look at this branch. What can we say about this branch right now? What can you do? And what can I do? What can the branch do for itself in this state so that it bears fruit? Nothing. Do you guys see that? Do you see the effective use of the vine and the branch vision that God has for us? It paints this picture. When we understand that this, this branch, now that it's severed from the tree, right? This is not from the vine. Like, this is not grape right here. This is the actual tree branch. Okay? And I don't think this tree is like fruit bearing either. So, but, but you get the point, right? You take out this branch from the tree. What can we expect to happen to this branch five hours later, 24 hours later, a week later? This is going to wilt and die. And then what it's, it's not good for anything, but to be thrown in the heap of, of other rubble to be burnt. So what does the vine do? The vine nourishes the branch. Okay? The vine is the, the source of the power for the branch. Remember the, the word power last week? We talked about that. The word power in Greek is dynamis. We get the word dynamite from it. That's what the, what the, that, that's what, that's what the vine does. It gives power to the branch so that it bears fruit. We see that in John 15 verse 5. Right? The, we are the, uh, he's the vine, we are the branches. When we abide in him and he in us, we bear much fruit. Because without Jesus, without the vine, just like this branch, we're nothing. We're not going to amount to anything. It's impossible for us to do anything. Now, one of the things, uh, before we get to this, I don't want you to read ahead. Okay? Jesus supplies the nourishment for us, the branches. The other thing that is important about him being the true vine is that he is Lord of us. He directs the way that we grow. He tells us through his word what, we, what, we, what to do. That's a blessing for us. And we, we see the, the writers of the Old Testament praise God for his precepts, for his commandments, for his word. Because without these precepts, without God's word, we are lost. We might be very passionate for God, but if we do not know what's right and what's wrong according to his own righteousness, you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be passionate for doing the wrong things. And with all the love I can muster from my heart, many Christians today 
are in danger of doing that. Because they're passionate for things that are not in God's word. And we can fall into that trap as well if we do not listen and abide to the vine from the words that he tells us. In John 15 verse 3, that is this, we see the importance of God's word in, direct, in, in, in his directing us, in his cleansing us. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He says that to his disciples, that his word is our guide, our authority, and, and, our, and he cleanses us through the word. One of the other things that we understand about God's part is that God the Father is also the vine dresser. Okay? Jesus has his part as the vine, but God the Father is the vine dresser. Now, what does a vine dresser do? In John 15, verse 2, Jesus tells us very plainly. John 15, verse 2, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, this is tough. This is hard. Okay? God the Father looks at the vine and inspects it as the vine dresser. And when he sees branches that are not bearing fruit, he takes it out. Now, sometimes that's a hard teaching to accept. And I know a lot of my good friends who are Christians do not believe what it says in here that Christians can actually not bear fruit sometimes. And Christians, sometimes, are, are, are professed Christians, remain in the darkness. They continue to do what the darkness does instead of being light and separate themselves from the dark. And when that happens, it says in here that we are cut off from God. We are cut off from the vine. And then what happens is when the vine dresser inspects that vine and he sees that the, some of the branches bear fruit... You know what the vine dresser does? The vine dresser prunes those branches. Takes away some of the things from the branches that even bear fruit for a specific reason. And the reason is because God wants us to, to bear even more fruit. Now this is why we say that in the Christian life, there's no such thing as, well, I'm done growing. Right? I'm 75 years old. I'm done doing the stuff for Christ, because I've graduated from growing, there's no such thing. We keep growing because God provides us the ability to keep on growing, and He wants us to keep growing. But He prunes us. He disciplines us. He allows us to go through the fire so that He can purify us and take out things that hinder us from being fruitful. Because Fruitfulness to him is us being effective and fruitful in our knowledge of God. Because God doesn't want us to just know him here. Anybody can do that. You know, the devil knows about God. The devil believes. But he also trembles. Because he doesn't want to do what he knows God wants them to do. So he trembles. It's easy to say that I'm a Christian just by name and by mental assent. But what God wants is for us to be fruitful here, head, heart, and hands. And when we are not 
there's this danger of being cut off. But brothers and sisters, what I love about God and about His Son Jesus Christ is this. He, does, they, he doesn't just, Jesus doesn't just tell us what to do. He, does, he just doesn't command us like somebody from high up in a corporate ladder and saying, do as I, do as I say. Okay? If I tell you, jump, you, 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 you say how high, and then you do that. He, he doesn't just do that. Okay? Let me explain. Um, I was in the military for 20 years, and throughout my military career, especially at, my, at the beginning as an officer, the Korean forces has distilled in me one thing. It's about leadership. They've always wanted to train us about leadership, about leading, about effective leadership. And this, they say, effective leadership happens in every facet of military life, they tell me. Even in physical training. You guys, you guys know what PT is? Physical training. You have PT class at school, right? In the military, that's every single day we do that. And as an officer, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to lead PT for my troops. And I was taught that when I lead physical training for my troops, when I give them commands, say, for example, you, you guys, give me 25 push-ups. You guys, go run for 25 miles. You guys, go over there, stand in the rain and the mud, hold this weight on your shoulders, and stand there for 30 minutes. If I am to do that for my, to my troops... I'm supposed to be able to do it with them. So if I tell Sean, give me 25 push-ups, I need to go down there and do it with him. If I tell you guys to go run for 25 kilometers, I should be at the front leading you on that run. The same thing with asking you to stand here in the mud, in the muck, and in the rain. I have to be able to do that with you. Now, that is the most amazing thing about Jesus. He is our vine, and He is there for us. Everything that He has commanded us to do, He has done. Why is that important? Because when He tells us to do something, He knows that it is not this unusually huge order that we can't do. He's done it. He knows how to follow. So when he tells us, you need to follow, he knows what he's talking about. When he tells us, be humble, he knows what he's talking about. Because he's humbled himself to the point of death. That is God's part in our relationship with him. That is, that is, that is, an, it, it, it is really encouraging to understand that about our God. That as vine, he really gives us everything that we need towards God, towards godliness, and towards spiritual maturity. He serves us an example to follow. Now, uh, hold on, let me just go forward. That is God's part. He is our vine. Jesus is our vine. And God is our vine dresser. He provides nourishment to us and He disciplines us so that we can bear fruit for God's kingdom and be useful in His, for His glory. But how about our part? How about our part? In our scripture reading, our part essentially 
is to abide in him. But what does that mean? What does that mean to remain in Christ? Well, this particular passage in John 15 verse 7 tells us. And we see that all in our scripture reading in John 15 for the most part. What it means to abide in Christ. What it means for us to abide in Christ. What is our part in our relationship and partnership with God? It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Abiding in him involves abiding in his word. We don't just listen to it. We don't just read it and study it. It doesn't just stay here. It also stays here. And it comes out here. Do you guys see that? Because if it doesn't, it's not changing us. It's not doing anything for us. Okay? Words, God's word is important. Because in John, 2 John 1 verse 9, anyone who does not remain in Christ's teaching, but goes beyond it, does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. See, I love our congregation because in our congregation we humbly, we humbly look at the Word of God and say, what does it say for our faith and practice? We humbly tell God, you know what? What do we do in the church? What do we have in the church? What do we use for worship? We humbly look at the word and say, you know what? The word says that, so that's what we do. Because we understand that when we go beyond it, do we still have God in us? Jesus, uh, Bible says no. But we don't do that in a prideful way. We do that with humility. Because we understand that in our growth as, as individuals and as the church, we still don't know everything. We, we keep on growing. And as we understand what we need to, what, what God wants to do for our church and where He wants to lead us, then we respond. We open up to Him in faith. And we do it. We forget about the past, like what Paul said. We look forward to the future. We keep on growing. And that growth requires that we look intently into His Word. Because when we do, this is what happens. Whatever we ask from Him, will be done for us. What does abiding in Christ look like? Abiding in Christ looks like understanding and doing His Word so it remains in us and praying. So we understand that the vine is the power that sustains us. How do we access that power? Do you understand what I'm saying? How do you get help from God so that He can grow us? We pray. You know, when I see Christians who are so fruitful, when I see Christians that have, that have, that, that, that I see God's power working in them because they have done so much, they have done so much for God, I don't think that they have done so much for God. What I immediately think about is, look, God has done so much through them. And then I immediately, I immediately think, man, that person's prayer life must be amazing. Look at the product of their prayer life. He must be on his knees every single day for hours praying for, praying for God to work through him. That is the point. 
it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Him working through us. Our part is, do we allow Him to do what He wants to do through us? That is the hard part. Because when we still have ourselves as the number one priority for ourselves and for our life, you know what's going to happen? We're going to be concerned about our comfort. We're going to be concerned about our happiness. We're going to be concerned about our, our interests and values and, and, and well-being. Not Christ's. Not God's. Not the church's. Ours. And it becomes hard for God to use us in his kingdom. But what else does, uh, in his kingdom, what else does abiding mean? Well, again, it's really believing that God really wants us to grow and bear fruit. If you really think about it, if we believe that, you know what, God's vision for me is to be fruitful, then what I would do what we would do is this. We would organize our entire life. The decisions that we make with our money, with our jobs, the place that we live, the friends that we make. We, were, we, we would organize all of those and think, how can all these things serve God? How can I, how can I produce fruit that lasts for God? through my work, through my money, where I live, the friends that I have, where I go to school, the career that I choose, and so on and so forth. We organize that because we believe that God has something in store for us to bear fruit. Do you guys remember that girl in the story of a town? There's this town, okay? This town had had drought for like years. No rain. Okay? They only subsisted because non-government organizations would come and give them food. One time, the town said, you know what? Let's go have a prayer meeting to ask God for rain. You know, only one person in that prayer meeting brought an umbrella. It's this little girl. Now, that's faith. Because when, they, when, 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 when she asks, she understands that it's going to be done for me. It's the same thing with bearing fruit for Christ. We have to understand that He's going to do it through us and for us. Now, another way that we grow, that, that, that we grow and have, uh, that, that we abide in Christ is seen in John 15, verses 9 and following. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, abiding in Christ means remaining in His love. But what does that mean? Fortunately for us, in the, in the passage in front of you, Jesus explains what does it mean to remain in His love. He says, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. Now, he brings it all the way back to his word. Again, this is why God's word is so important if we are to abide in him and if we are to bear fruit. 
Because if we are doing great things, you know, if we are doing, if we want to do great things for God, and we're doing the wrong things, again, we're just being passionate for doing the wrong things. And it's not good. Okay, we want to do the right things according to Christ's righteousness, not our own righteousness. And when that happens, we love. We love others. Okay? Now, I have some more, but I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to go through it really quickly. But I want to encourage us to actually see the relationship between our part and God's part. And I want to, we want to illustrate that with examples in Scripture. Okay? When God tells us that, hey, I have appointed you, all of us, to bear fruit, what do we do with that knowledge? Well, an example is seen in the conquest of, of Israel's conquest of, uh, of Jericho. God promised this to Joshua. He said, the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Do you guys see that promise? Now I'm going to ask you a question. Did, did God say that to Joshua before or after they conquered Jericho? Before? Raise your hands if it's before. Raise your hands if it's after. He said that before they actually conquered Jericho. He promised them, I've given it to you. It's done. But the Israelites are not just, ah, cool. Let's just put up our, you know, let's just uh, get some, uh, get some lawn chairs and let's have a barbecue. It's done. No. Look at verse three, right? So I promised you that Jericho is yours. Now here's what you need to do. This is your part. Look at, look at verse three and following. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the, se- the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of, Jer- of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you already given me Jericho, God. Yes, I have. That's my part. I promised you that. Now it's your turn. What do you think would have happened if the Israelites said, you know what? He already promised. This is just, look at, this is, this is like kiddie stuff that he wants us to do. He doesn't even want us to bear arms. He just wants us to play the trumpets and walk around. This is, this is insane. I'm not doing that. This is just formality, guys. Let's not do it. He's going to give it to us. No. Do you think God would have given him Jericho if they didn't do this? I doubt that. God has his part and we have our part. It's not that we're winning our salvation. That's not the point. It's obedience. It's obedience. That is what he has created us for. That is what our partnership and relationship with him is like. He is our God. We are his people. What happens when, peop- when his people do not do what, the, what, what, what their king says? There's no relationship there. The same thing in the Old Testament as we see God's nature unfold. Now you're probably thinking, well, well Jay, hold on. I, am, I have no skills. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to grow. I am weak. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know how to serve. I, it, regardless, fill in your excuse here. 
I have the same. I'm like you. I'm weak too. Right? But do you guys remember the story of uh, Gideon? Back then, the people of Israel were under the Midianites. And God wanted to save them from the Midianites. You know what he did? He went over to Gideon. Say, Gideon, you're going to save my people. Right? This is what God told Gideon through his angel. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Except Gideon was not a mighty warrior. How do we know this? Because he was threshing wheat in there. Do you know what that is? That's a wine press. You're not supposed to thresh wheat in a wine press. You're supposed to thresh wheat in the threshing floor. The threshing floor is that. But he's doing it here. You know why? Because he's afraid. He doesn't want the enemies to see him. So he goes in there. You're supposed to do it in the open air so that the chaff will be blown by the wind and the grain will fall in front of you. And so he tells God, pardon me, Lord. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Can you guys resonate with that? I can. I can. But look at what God tells Joshua, uh, Gideon. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. What do you have? You have what you have, right? Go with that. Go with that. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. This is God's part. Look at this part. Am I not sending you? Who's sending you? Is your neighbor sending you? Is your dad sending you? Your mom, your brother, or sister? No. Your God. The God who made everything is sending you. So that means you can do it. That means we can do it. That means that when we abide in Christ, and when we understand what the vine does, and when we understand what the branch we ought to do, it comes together. It comes together. And that is when we are able to say, right? On our knees, we say, Lord Jesus Christ, I need thee every hour. Let's stand and sing our song of uh, invitation.